let's just get straight into what I believe the Lord wants to show us today. We've, we've read here Psalm 67, verse 7. We're going to continue to look at the fear of the Lord as the game changer. And as I said last week, the greatest gift you can give anybody, any individual or any community or any uh, city or any nation or any people is the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord changes everything. When the, when, when the fear of the Lord is present, you do not need evangelism as much. You know, thanks, Jesus. You don't need evangelism. You don't need a lot of explanation. You know, really all you need to t- teach them is how to pray the sinner's prayer and get saved. Because the fear of the Lord does all the work. And, you know, you don't need to persuade men when the fear of the Lord is present. And so this nation needs Britain, needs the fear of the Lord. Scotland needs the fear of the Lord. And, and, you know, when David gave me that verse last week, that, as I said, it detonated inside me again. The burden that's always there. But sometimes God will just touch you. And that burden comes up again and becomes real again. And so I've got Scotland in my heart today, folks. Really, really do have Scotland. Now, it's not that I don't have Britain or I don't even have other nations. But today, I, I, I really want to say this, all Scotland shall fear him. All of Scotland. And because that verse, and David knows this fine well, the ends of the earth in Scripture, that term is used an awful lot. Ends of the earth, uttermost parts of the earth. And it sometimes does mean, you know, the far-flung corners of places, but it does have a specific geographical uh, location that's meant here to people who were in Israel at that time in the Middle East. The ends of the earth were really, technically speaking, the British Isles. And the Romans called the northwest part of Europe Ultima Thule, meaning the end of the world, and uh, it, it was... The north part of Scotland, where the Orkneys, the Shetlands, and even up to Iceland and so on. The Romans had a, had a mindset or a, or a concept that the further north you went, the more, the, the more sacred the land was. And I've shared this a few times, you know, we used to think, we were taught as kids really that Hadrian's Wall uh, was built to keep the marauding picks from coming south. But in actual fact, many scholars now feel that Hadrian's Wall was built to keep people going north because they want, they believed that Scotland was a holy land. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, what that meant to a Roman and what it means to us, but we know it's a holy land because we know what we've just read in this dear land in days of yore. So God has moved mightily in Scotland since, well, Celtic, uh, Chaldee Church, uh, Columba, Patrick, all these things that you know the, the Celtic saints, um, and uh, even even really before that, the the, the very early uh, days of Christianity. But certainly uh, Knox, Peden, all these men, and in more recent times, Moody, Moody, who was a great inspiration to the people who founded this ministry here that meets still on a Sunday morning. So. There's a lot of things that God has done over the course and a lot of prophetic words. So when I read this now, I read, God shall bless us and all of Scotland shall fear him because this is the ends of the earth, isn't it, in many ways. And we remember that as well the wonderful prophetic word of Jean Donal, the message, the visions that she had about Scotland 
and how in the north part of Scotland, the very ends of the earth, revival would break out and come flashing down the east coast, go inland, and we're still to see the manifestation in full of that. We might have seen wee flashes of it, but I believe we're going to see it, and hopefully in our generation and time. And add to that the covenant visions, all the different people throughout the years that have seen Scotland as the catalyst of worldwide revival. All the ends of the earth shall fear him. So it has to begin here. It has to begin, according uh, to Gene in the top part of Scotland. Um, but you know what? I'm believing that we're going to see it here in Glasgow and take it up to the north. Amen? Amen. Because you, you have to have a vision of revival. And so that's really, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scriptures, we'll just briefly look at some of them, just, just, to, just to encourage us, Psalm 65, uh, there's a lot more than this, but we're just going to look at a few, Psalm 65 verse 8, they also that dwell in the uttermost parts, or the uttermost parts of the earth in some versions, are afraid at thy tokens or thy signs, thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. What is the psalmist is saying here? is this, and it's a psalm of David, in the uttermost parts of the earth, the people will be afraid. See, we're not talking about fear of goblins, hobgoblins, and ghouls, and spiders, and snakes. We're not talking about satanic-induced fear. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about the fear of God, which is the only fear we ought to have, and the fear that cures all other fears. Amen. And it doesn't mean just reverence of God. It can mean a terror of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have the terror of the Lord. Amen. Nobody wants to get into God's presence unprepared. You might, oh, well, I'm a Christian. That's good. But is your heart right with God right now? So we always ought to be living, you know, as Bill Johnson says, when the, when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus like a dove, it never, he never lifted. That dove never lifted. And the reason he never lifted is Jesus didn't do anything to frighten the dove away. And can we say the same? Can we say that our walk is so, is so gentle before him that we don't grieve him and send him off? So folks, we need to be living in the fear of the Lord. And it's not an old covenant concept alone. We're commanding the New Testament as well. So Psalm 65, verse 8, all the uttermost parts, it's saying the same thing we just read. Then Isaiah says this, and remember, Isaiah speaks a lot, particularly from about chapter 40 onwards, to Israel and the isles, or the ends of the earth. So it's a prophetic word to God's people in our generation. He says in uh, Isaiah chapter 41, Keep silence before me, O islands. Okay, and then verse 5 he says, The isles saw it, and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came out. Let me just say this to you, okay? When you're scared of something, you don't go near it. Am I right? You know, if some of you ladies, maybe some of you men, uh, are scared of spiders. We've got a guy in our church, terrified of spiders. Hey man, needs, needs that cast out. But anyway, if there's a spider there, you wouldn't go near Oh, there's a spider. I'm so terrified of them. I'm going to draw near to it and see what it... No, no, you'd run. But the fear of the Lord is not a fear that makes you go away. It's a fear that draws you. Remember it says in the early church, when Ananias and Sapphira uh, 
died. Uh, it says great fear came upon. So that, and they didn't dare, they didn't dare go near. Then it says, I think in the next verse, uh, and folks were added to the church daily because that fear was oh startled. But with the fear of the Lord will draw you to Him, not uh, throw you away from Him. Does that make sense? You initially might be oh, 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 but then it's like oh, but wait a minute, hold on. I fear Him, but He has something I need. He He is who I need. Amen. So the fear of the Lord is a magnet that attracts. So the Isles saw and feared, and that's what we're needing, folks. The British Isles to be feared. The people to be afraid. The ends of the earth were afraid. We need the fear of the Lord here in Scotland and the ends of the earth. And then it says, they drew near and they came. They helped everyone his neighbour. And everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. In other words, they began to share the gospel with each other. I believe a lot of this stuff we're reading today is prophetic. And it's prophetic of our generation if we will be the generation that receives it. See, people say, well, God will do what God wants to do. Yes, he will, but he'll do it to people who are ready to receive it. And I believe many generations have had the opportunity to be the generation, but they've passed it by because of religion, tradition, fear, whatever, the wrong kind of fear I'm talking about, the fear of man. Well, I'd like to get through with God, but I'm scared what my, the folks in the pews around me will say. Mm-hmm. Amen? So, but we need the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is, I don't want to miss out whatever God has for me and stand before him on that day of judgment. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but you could have had a lot more. You could have had a louder well done. Amen? That's my fear. It's not... Oh, are you scared you'll be cast into hell? Not if your faith in the blood of Jesus. But what I'm scared is, well, you could have had this reward, but I'm only giving you this one. Amen? So, the fear of the Lord. Now, Psalm 98, just look at a few of these, because I want, what I want you to see is God's purpose for the ends of the earth, which means God's purpose for the British Isles. And I believe it also covers the other lands, you know, like Australia, Canada, New Zealand, America, and so on. Psalm 98, verse 3 says, uh, He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. I'd put that and say all Scotland will see the salvation. See, I'm, I'm receiving this as a prophetic word. You know, when David shared that with me last week, Nate, he, he, he actually he gives me this verse all the time. He didn't mention this one then. When he shares that message, something went off inside of me. Because that's our vision. Why do we gather? Do we gather because the cooking is so wonderful, the breakfast is so lovely? Well, I have to say yes. Oh, yes. Okay. But we're not gathered for that reason. Because we could just say, have a breakfast. Okay? We gather for a purpose. We're the gathering for a purpose. I'm going to share that purpose in a minute. But that purpose is 
that Scotland would see the salvation. You know, I'm going to say this to you. I believe this with all my heart. I believe when Scotland sees it, that will be a domino effect for all the rest of the nations. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's a prophetic message. That's a prophetic word. That's what Jinder Darnall saw. That's what Richard Cameron saw. That's what all these uh, and many prophetic visions. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't have a purpose for other nations, but I will say this, that they won't see it until Scotland sees it in its fullness. So, all the ends of the earth will see this. And then finally, let's look at Psalm 2, because you see, well, what's it all about? Psalm 2, let's very quickly go there. I preach this psalm a lot. I haven't really done it for quite a while, but I do normally preach it a lot. Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's what we're talking about, isn't it, before the service? The vanity, the futility of what's going on. We're talking about Malaysia, Singapore, Britain, Scotland, all the different nations, how they're corrupt. Why are they corrupt? There's a simple reason, and Scripture reveals it. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together or conspire together. Oh, do you believe in conspiracies? Yes. Because the Bible tells me there's one. The Bible says there's a conspiracy of national leaders and rulers. And what's the purpose? Against the Lord and against his anointed, which in Greek is antichristos. Antichrist. It's an antichrist agenda. Saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. What bands, what cords, tells us in Psalm 149? God's word. Okay? God's word, God's will. Because they don't want their laws based on God's law. God's book. They want to make up their own laws. And, they want, and that doesn't just include laws as in the legal profession. That means uh, science. Follow the science. What, they, what they're really doing is, don't follow God's word. Follow up the science that we're going to tell you science. We'll tell you how many genders there are. Now God says male and female created it. Nah, 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 nah. Well, I'll ask the question again. I keep asking it. How many genders in the animal kingdom? Do they have transgender animals? Do they have 78 genders of animals? No, they don't. Now we're not animals, but we're superior to animals. Yeah. Amen. And the Bible says male and female created he them. Now there's a truth bomb right there. Amen. Male and female created he them. Let's break the band. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Notice that the Lord is not wringing his hands. Fretting. He's laughing. Why? Well, we would laugh too if we saw it from his perspective. Because they're so dumb. You only laugh at dumb people. Amen? You only laugh at stupidity. You know, we get, uh, we get a lot of these memes, don't we, on the internet. And so many of the, the, the great laughs you have with people doing dumb stuff. Amen? I mean, some of it, it's quite... <laughs> we were laughing at one the other week there about a guy getting down a, one of these water slides and halfway down, when he's still high up, he comes flying out the water slide. Okay, now I know you might say the lap wasn't dumb, but, but he looked like a dummy, didn't he? So the point is we laugh at stupidity. Well, he that sitteth in the heavens, you notice he isn't pacing up and down, he's sitting. 
People who are sitting are people at rest. Amen? And people who are in control. You don't walk in and the chairman of the company is pacing up and down or running about like a chicken with no head. Chairmen sit at their desk and issue orders. He that sitteth on his throne in the heavens. But what I want to see, we can, we can read this, but we don't have time. The Lord said, or Yahweh said to, to me, meet me in Jesus, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This is verse 7. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen, which is the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Well, folks, I'm excited. Because that uttermost parts of the earth means where we live. Amen? We're not the most parts of the earth. Here in Scotland. Okay? You go north, you get in your car, you drive north, and you come to the end of the earth. Amen? Mm -hmm. uh, and beyond that, it's just, you know, I know there's the Orkneys and the Shetlands, and you go that way, you go to Iceland and Greenland, but we are the ends of the earth. That the Hebrew mind would have understood us. Because the, the, the Hebrew was well aware of the British Isles, and that this was the ends of the earth. And in, in other places, of course, it's isles or coastlands. Folks, we are his possession. Amen? So, um, that's why we get excited. Because all of Scotland shall fear him. All of Scotland, when we say fear him, what we mean is all of Scotland will have a consciousness of God and his presence. It won't just be the Isle of Lewis. Think of the Isle of Lewis and what happened there. I keep saying it, I said it last week, my friend Norman, walking along the road, not caring about anybody or anything, certainly I want no part of that revival, drunk as a skunk, and the next thing, bam, the fear of God hit him. He's on his knees on the roadside. Not in a meeting, not listening to Duncan Campbell, not you know, in amongst a praying bunch of women, but he was obviously being prayed for, but he's out there, and bam, the fear of God hit him. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God. A man who, when he opened his mouth, heaven came down. Saw it many, many times. Uh, you know, and if you ever listen to these folks that were actually in the Lewis Revival, and, and uh, Hugh, Hugh Black was another one that had that. There was something about the voice, wasn't there? Something about the voice that, that, that had a heavenly timbre to it. Okay? Folks, that's what we're needing, but not just in a wee island or, or in a wee few villages up in a remote part of the Hebrides. We're needing that in these streets. Amen. We're needing that in your street. We're needing that in Socky Hall Street. Amen. So that you're walking down Socky Hall Street and it's not quiet because all the shops are shut and they've put a precinct in and there's less cars. It's quiet because the hush and reverence is the fear of God thick in the place. That's what we're needing. And I believe that's what God wants to give us. So what I want you to let's go back to Isaiah chapter 60 because I want, after something I feel, what are we gathered for? The Lord said to me, have a meeting, call it the gathering. And, you know, we, we gather because we want to see these things happen. But the Lord gave me something this week that I want to just briefly share with you. And Isaiah 60, that's where we've been, so we'll start there again. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Um, for behold, 
The darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness of people. What he's saying to you here is this. Have a look with your natural eyes, but also your spiritual eyes, and see what's round about you. Uh, we, uh, survey the terrain. Remember when uh, Moses, well, they were going to get the promised land, they sent 12 spies in. Okay, now they didn't need to send this, the 12 spies in, but they sent the 12 spies in to see what they saw. And let me just say this to you. What you see with your eyes does not determine what is. It's what you see with your heart. Because the 12 spies saw the same thing. Giants. Anakim, whatever. Uh, but they, they saw all the good stuff. All the, the, the wonderful fruit and everything else. All the bounty, the blessing. But they saw these giants. And they said, you know what? We're like grasshoppers in their sight. But, but you know what? As we discovered later, through Rahab, that's not really how the giants saw them. The giants were terrified of them. Weren't they? The people of the land were terrified of the Israelites. But the Israelites, they saw that they were grasshoppers. It wasn't that the giants saw them as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. See, it's not about what you see with these eyes. It's what the filter is in here. Isn't it? Oh, we can't do it. We're, 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 we, you know, they're, going to, they're going to slaughter us. But Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. And they said, ah, there's problems. But we're well able. Now, if you say I'm a Christian, I've got faith. Then the Bible tells me faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So if you have faith, you have the victory right now. So everything that you see should be that filter of, that's a problem, but we've got the victory. But so we're talking about this this morning. So often... What comes out of our mouths is that we don't see the victory. We see the problem and the problem becomes bigger and we forget we've got the victory. So he says, but yeah, there's darkness there. You, know, you just need to look and you'll see it. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And what that means is, is that it's, it's all over the earth. But it's really in the people. People are the pollutants. Amen. How do we know that? If you go out into the wilderness, if you drove up just now uh, and went up the Duke's Pass and went into the forest, it's not dark. Morally or spiritually, do you understand? Because it's just beauty. But you come in here to this part of the city, there's, there's great darkness. Why? Because folks are here. People are here. The darkness is, is on, really on the people. And the people pollute the planet. Now I know I'm beginning to sound like somebody that, you know, um, well, we, we need to get rid of all the people then. That's not what I'm saying. We need to change the people and get the people cleansed. And how do we do that? The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is the thing that God has in his arsenal to eradicate evil and you know you can preach to your blue in the face jesus loves you this i know 
And it's, it's true, you'll reach some folks because folks are just open to that. But not everybody is. Some people need the fear of God to hit them. Okay? The folks that you don't win by the honey, they need the fear of the Lord. So he says, The darkness will cover the earth, the gross darkness of people. But Yahweh shall arise upon thee, the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Now, what's the game changer? The glory of God. Because the glory is seen upon them. Okay? But let me just say this to you. How are you going to see the glory of God without the fear of the Lord? There hasn't been one revival in history that there hasn't been the fear of the Lord. True revival. I, I said this last week. The, the 90s, Toronto and Rodney Howard Brown outpouring all these wonderful things. Browns, Brownsville was different because there was a strong fear of the Lord present. But the other one, that was part of it. And it was great. And I'm not saying the fear of the Lord wasn't there. But what I'm saying is that one didn't really go out with the church. There weren't a lot of people saved. But a true heaven-sent revival will have the fear of the Lord. And folks will, and it will draw people. Amen. Amen. Won't just refresh it. The church. If you've ever been in a revival atmosphere, nothing, nothing compares. But folks, what we need is the fear of the Lord. And the, the Gentiles, the nations shall come to their light, verse 3, and kings to the brightness of their rising. So the glory is a light that attracts the nations and, and that's what we're talking about, then. Multitudes and nations are our destiny. Let's not be content with having a few folks in the, in the meeting, having enough to keep a church going, paying the bills, you know, keep the bill from the door. Let's not be happy with that. Let's not settle for that. We spoke a lot about that before. Let's not settle. Because we used to have a different vision in the church. And I know some of you remember that. When it was get folks saved, get folks saved. That was why, because... The more people saved, the more God gets glorified. But now it's not about God getting glorified. It's about can we keep the doors open? So we've reduced the vision, not the Lord. There's more folk than ever on planet Earth right now. And we need to start believing that a whole bunch of them come into the kingdom. Because they're not here for any other reason. Well, they're just here to be fodder for hell. Well, if you believe that, you're a sorry state of a Christian. The nations shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. Now he's talking about different eyes. Now he's talking about prophetic vision. Now he's talking about the eyes of the inner man when Jesus said, Say not ye, there's four months to the harvest. Stop saying the harvest is future. Stop saying God's going to do it one day. Stop saying, oh yes, one day I hope to see it before I die. He says, say not ye. He says, look, the fields are white. So it's a different set of eyes now. It's the vision that David had way back at the first meeting of our eyes. All of them coming from up and down that street. Cars, people, and as he said, people from the government. Rulers, kings. Now David didn't really know much about this verse, did you, this scripture? He just had it in vision. Folks, that's what we're needing to have. 
And we, we have we have word for it, we have scripture for it. It's in Isaiah chapter 60. We ought to live in Isaiah 60. If we live in Isaiah 60, uh, then if I well, put it this way, if Isaiah 60 lives in us, we'll live in what it says. We'll have kings come, we'll have nations come. We'll have the gathering of sons from afar and daughters from our side. We'll have the gathering. And let me just say this to you. It's not of Christians from other churches. Okay, I'm not saying Christians from other churches won't come. They do come. The point I'm saying is, this is sons and daughters. This is harvest. This is get folks getting saved. Amen? Then thou shalt see and flow together, verse 5, and thine heart shall fear. You see, you're not going to get this out with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the game changer. And let me just say it, I'll say it again, I need to keep saying it. It's not an emotion, it's not a feeling. Oh, well, oh, I really fear you, I feel it, I feel it. I'll, I'll try and whip up that feeling. You know, it's like you go to a meeting and you hear about maybe an evangelist, some like Reinhard Bonnke or something, speaking about the burden for souls. Yeah. I don't feel that burden. But you don't need to feel it, you just need to receive it. You receive it by faith. Believe you me, the feelings will come. Same with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a decision to walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, whether you feel like it or not. Amen? So, your heart shall fear, and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. That forces of a Gentiles phrase means the wealth of the nations. But the word forces or the word wealth in Hebrew is kaya, and it has a double meaning. It has actually a multiple meaning. But it means wealth, riches, silver, gold, money, all that. It means that. Of course it means that. But it means the wealth of people. In other words, armies of people. That's what it means. That's what forces means. Hosts, armies. Multitudes of people. See, multitudes of people, that's wealth to God. Amen. He, he already has all the silver and gold. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. All the physical stuff's his. What he wants is souls. That's the true wealth to him. That's what's precious to him. Jesus shed his blood for the forces of the nations. In other words, the people, the souls. But he says they'll come unto us. So we're believing for multitudes. And we're believing for nations because that's God's will and purpose. The multitude of camels shall cover thee. Well, I'm not so sure about camels. I'm just going to take that as well. That's what they had then. But the multitude of cars shall cover thee. Amen. And you know, there's plenty of parking here. There's a lot of churches, there's no parking. But you can park. There's a lot of parking around here if you know where to go. And guess what? And, and, and praise God for this. But listen, praise the Lord. I hope nobody from the council listens to this. Because they actually planned, didn't they? They planned to meet on all these streets. It was happening. It was, it was past. It was happening. And it's not happened yet. It was due to happen over two years ago, three years ago. It's not happened yet. I think they've abandoned the plans. 
Okay? And the good news as well is this emission zone, which in the name of Jesus shall not happen in the city. Well, that bypasses us too. We, you can bring your, your old uh, smoky motor here. Amen. Hallelujah. You can pollute the air all round and you'll not be charged for it. Amen. Well, you just make sure it's got an MOT because don't say, well, pastor says you don't need an MOT to come to church. I'm saying, Praise the Lord. He says here, hold on. A multitude of camels shall cover the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now, this is what I want us to see. This is, what are we gathering for? And I'm not just talking about in this meeting. But one of the things that David said about that vision of all these people gathering way back that first night of a nice Scott, Friday night, he said it's not just for this church. It's for other churches. So the gathering, the concept, we, that's why we have this meeting. But folks, we're not just doing it so that we can have the multitudes. It's not just all our ministry, our church, you know, us four, no more. But we're not thinking that. We want God glorified in the city of Glasgow Amen. and in Scotland and the whole nation because for his glory, not ours. Amen. Look what it says. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Neboth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar. And this is what the Lord gave me this week. And I will glorify the house of my glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. That's what God's doing. That's what God, what's God up to? What's his purpose? He's glorifying the house of glory. His glory, not our glory. He's glorifying his house. Now let me just say this to you. A lot of people say, God will not share his glory with anybody. Well, what it means is he won't share the credit, but he'll certainly share the glory. But by, by that, what I mean is, we can bask in his glory. Amen? His presence, when you talk about his glory, as his presence and his power and his, all of the beauties of it. He, he, Jesus said, as you've given me glory to me, give it to them. Now, we're not, we're not taking the credit. We're not taking the credit. He'll not share his credit. You know, we say, well, you know, I was such a good preacher, and all those folks came, you know. We had such wonderful meetings. <laughs> that won't get you very far in the kingdom. Amen? But, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ministers maybe think that. But I don't know. I don't want to think that. But what I, wanted, what, what I do want is to be in the house of his glory. And he says, I'll glorify it. So if we'll just be careful to always give him the glory, he'll see to it that we walk in his glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. I want to ask you a question. Uh, there's several facets to this. The house of God is another uh, way of speaking about the body of Christ or, or the, 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 the collective church of Jesus Christ, yeah? Uh, the worldwide body, his house. There's, there are houses, if you like, individual churches and individual ministries, whatever. And, and the Bible actually even says that individually we're his house. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, the house, all these temple metaphors are in this already, okay, that he speaks about. We can look at that another time. But we are his house, and his, this body is his house. Your body is his house. But when we meet together collectively, we're the house. Amen? And we're part of a bigger house. And in fact, you know, the, new, the new Jerusalem, the house becomes a city. The houses become a city. The new Jerusalem, it's all made up of living stones. We're living stones. And we're in a house, and it, and it all becomes that glorified cube that we read about in Revelation. The, the city. The eternal city. The, the new Jerusalem. And so he's glorifying the house of his glory. We gather so that his glory can be seen upon us. We gather to be receptacles of glory. We gather positioned for his glory to come and fill us. It's not filling us just to make us have Holy Ghost goosebumps. It's filling us so that we get those doors and you go into Lidl or Sainsbury's if you're posh or wherever you go after this meeting, wherever you go and to whomever you go, that glory goes to them. And touches them, and they say, There's something about you. What is it? You go to church, don't you? Is that? Yeah, I'm coming on Sunday morning. Amen. That's happened to people, hasn't it? But it ought to happen all the time for every single person in this room. People should come to church not because they're told to, but because they look at you and go, My goodness me, I can't miss out. Whatever's on their life, I need in mine. Whatever's in their heart, I need in mine. Because, and, and, you know, the fear of the Lord. Now, when you, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. When you pray the fear of the Lord upon people, you don't even have to invite them. They invite themselves. Amen? I will glorify the house of my... And I want you to see this to yourselves, folks. I am the house of glory. My body is a temple. I am the house of glory. This is the, this point to yourself and say, this is the house of glory. Because we need the glory. Amen. Not that we lack it, but we need to see it manifest. And folks, so do they. So do them out there. So do the people you've been praying for for 20, 30 years that haven't responded. When they see the glory rise upon you, your sons and daughters will come. Then just let's finish this little section off and then we'll go somewhere else and that's us. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Doves don't fly on their own. They fly in crowds and flocks. He's saying, I'm seeing flocks. I'm seeing, I'm seeing crowds. And here's an interesting thing. Talk about prophetic. I remember looking this up. And... There's something, don't ask me to explain it, I would need to look it up, but there's something in the Hebrew that the word Tarshish, the word Tarshish, is connected, it's similar to a sound to, to, for, of doves. It's connected to doves, all right? Um, and... Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff I won't get into all connected with that. But 
but it's prophetic. Because look what it says in the next verse. This, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it here in Isaiah 60. Surely the isles shall wait for me. And again, as I will say to you, the isles meant to the people living at that time in the Middle East, they knew what the isles were. Okay? We're in the British Isles. It's quite astonishing, actually, if you look at how many islands are in the British Isles. We live in the mainland. We don't really think about the isles. But there's loads of isles. It's the British Isles. And by the way, that includes Ireland. Amen? Amen. Surely the isles shall wait for me, or wait upon me, and the ships of Tarsis first. Okay, the ships of Tarsis first. Now, I've probably shared this with you if I haven't, or some of you haven't heard it, I'll, I'll do now. Tarsis, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, you can look this out for yourself. Google it, or if you have a copy of the Septuagint, Tarshish in the Septuagint has its alternative rendering, which is Tharsis. Amen? Tharsis. Okay? Tharsis in the Septuagint is another way of spelling Tarshish. Well, folks, our church is in Tharsis Street. Amen? And if it was spelled a different way, it would be Tarshish Street. It says, the ships of Tarshish shall come first. Okay? The ships of Tarshish first. Now, when you, hear, you read about ships, let me, let, let me explain a wee bit about that. Ships speak about apostleship. Ships are sent. Aren't they? The ships of Tarshish were sent for a purpose. To bring goods. And the word apostle actually literally means um, somebody who sends ships. So folks, I believe what, what, what we can deduce from this right now, prophetically, extrapolate from it, is that God has a purpose for what we're doing here in Tharsis Street. An apostolic purpose to send. Amen? In other words, and, and listen, Long before I ever appeared on the scene, people have been sent from here. Am I right? Amen. Sent throughout Scotland, sent throughout the earth. You know, wherever you go, we, we, we talk about it a lot, don't we? That, you know, people will sometimes, you get an occasional letter from somebody, and they'll say, oh, you know, my granny went to Foundry Boys, she left you this money, or I went when I was, a, you know. And they've gone to far-flung corners. In fact, Mary Ann Clough's, was it great, great, whatever, his grandson, just before the pandemic, he was due to come that year and couldn't come because of COVID. And he's, he's, a, he's a minister down in New Zealand because she moved there to the ends of the earth down that way. So, folks, you know, when God writes his word, it's not just, you know, lovely poetry, it's prophetic. And we can take from it. The prophetic meaning to our generation. Amen. So the ships of Tarsus first. Now watch this. To bring thy sons from father, silver and their gold with them, 
unto the name of the Lord thy God, unto the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. So we believe in God here in the gathering for God to make what we're doing here a house of his glory. But it's not just for us, folks. We're believing that for genuine ministries and churches throughout Scotland, throughout Glasgow. Amen. We're believing. It's the work of God. It's the kingdom. It's not Bill McMurdo. It's not just us, our wee band. Okay? We're believing for this Isaiah chapter 60 generation. As others are. As others are in different parts of the world. Bill Johnson preaches a lot from Isaiah 60. Other men and women do too. So it's not just for us. But I, I don't know about you. I want to be part of it. And I'll tell you this right now. Nobody else had a church on Versus Street. Glory to God. Amen. Bill Johnson has Bethel and Reading. And they all, but they don't have Versus Street. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. So they can have their house of glory, but we're having a house of glory right here, right now, in this place. Amen? Amen. And we're believing that God will bring people who want to be part of the glory. His glory, not our glory. You know, we don't have smoke machines. We don't have a lot of fancy stuff that a lot of fancy, trendy churches have. Amen? I don't care if the glory of God is in an old cow barn. It's a whole lot better than sitting in plush. You know, seats are nice, but it's a whole lot better than sitting in some air-conditioned hotel room, you know, and we've got all the mod coins and we've got all the... and we've got the best sound system in, in Scotland. Folks, the best sound system in Scotland is the angelic wire. And if you and I are hearing that in the glory, Amen. Anyway, so let's just close with this very quickly. Uh, in Joel, eh, sorry, Haggai, Haggai. Because I want to see, the, I want to show you this theme of being the house of glory. Haggai. And just to let you know where Haggai is, it's on page, sorry, hold on. Yes, Haggai chapter 2 is on page 1262. Have we got it? Have they got it? Yeah. Second month, the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josodic, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of Comparison of it is nothing. What he's saying to them is this. Do you remember Solomon's temple that was destroyed? Some of you old enough to remember them. That's, that's what he's saying. Okay? Because some of them were. Some of them remembered it as we... So they would be well into their 70s or whatever by this point. And they're trying to rebuild this temple. But Solomon, let's be honest, the Solomonic temple, was it the eighth wonder of the world or something? And it's like the Lord's come to us tonight. Do you remember the glory days of old? Do you remember what it used to be like in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s? In the church in Scotland. We just spoke about the great move of God in the 90s. Churches full. And, but not a lot of people can say. But anyway, it was, it, we remember church. Some of you remember this church full every meeting. 
Do you, remember the, do you remember the glory of the old temple, the old foundry boys, or the old apostolic, I remember the apostolic church, the conventions, the New Year conventions. My goodness, you thought you had died and floated up into heaven. Do you remember those days of glory in the past? Who's left among you that saw this house in our first glory? The Lord said. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes comparison done? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord, and work for I am with you, and then so on. But what, look what he says here, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Let me just say this, the, sea, the shaking has to come. The shaking comes first. Okay? We, might, we don't like the shaking. Nobody likes the shaking. Unless you know what God's up to and then you can, you can receive it glad, uh, gladly. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations or the treasure of all nations shall come. Look what he says. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Similar to what he says in Isaiah 60, I will glorify the house of my glory. I will fill up the glory. He's not talking about Solomon's temple. He's not talking about the temple they were building here in Zerubbabel and the others to try and get some kind of meeting place. He's not talking about Herod's temple. He's not talking about a temple made with bricks and stones or a temple made in hands. He's talking about this temple. Your body, us collectively, the body of Christ. He's talking about the, the last day's temple, the last day's house, the house he's talking about in Isaiah chapter 60, which is you and I. He says, I'm going to fill it with glory. Now, when they filled Solomon's house with glory, my goodness me, the glory was seen. The priests couldn't stand to minister. The Queen of Sheba came. People came. Kings came from all over the, the, the known world because there was something going on in Jerusalem. There was glory happening and it was happening in this house where they said God's very presence dwelt. We can't go in. We're Gentiles. We can't go in. We're not Israelites. We can, but we can get near and we can talk to the man who built it. We can give him tribute. We can receive of his wisdom and go back blessed out of our socks back to our own countries and be better kings in our own countries because we've just been in touch with the man who built the temple of glory that fills, that's filled with glory and that in that wee room, that, that, that room in the Holy of Holies, God's very presence dwells above the mercy seat. Well, folks, there is no temple like that anymore because that Shekinah glory is in every one of us. And we, you don't have to travel across the world to come to meet us, we're going out. You can meet us in Asda. Or you can meet us, meet us, <laughs> meet us in Marks and Spencer. Or meet us as we're walking down the street. But whenever you find somebody who the glory is in them and can be seen upon them, then you come into contact with somebody who lives it. The person who lives in them is greater than Solomon. And the presence of God is in their temple. So there's now millions of temples across the earth. Millions of houses that house the presence and the glory 
And they are collectively one big house called the body of Christ. But folks, if we don't see the glory because we're all biting and devouring one another and attacking one another and stabbing each other in the back, there's no glory in that. There's no glory in betraying your brothers and sisters in Christ or belittling them or pulling them down or bad-mouthing them. You know why? Because that thinking, sadness thinking, death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. But if you get into the Church of Philadelphia, and the Church of Philadelphia is what Isaiah 60 is talking about, and what Haggai is talking about, it's the house of his glory. It's the house where the glory is, because the love of God, the love of the brothers is there. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. They walk, they look at us and go, Religious freaks, holy rollers. Don't they? But when they see the love for the brothers, well, they're real disciples of Jesus. There's glory in that. He says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of this house. Lord of hosts, sorry. And we'll close with this. And the, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. The latter house is you and I. And it's greater than Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple took, in modern day terms, billions upon billions of pounds to build. It was covered in gold. The best of materials, covered in gold. And it's not about physical gold, folks. It's about the glory. He says, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than Solomon's temple. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. There's no peace for planet Earth until the temple, the glory of the latter house, is seen on planet Earth. And they haven't seen it. All they see is a bunch of buildings, and what they see is a bunch of hypocrites. A bunch of religious people coming out of those churches, looking down their nose at them. That's what they see. But folks, when the glory shows up, that's what they'll see. You and I need to say, Lord, I want to be part of that house of glory. I want my body to be a house of glory. I want the folks I fellowship, all of us, who are going to say it, Lord, make us a house of your glory. Amen. Then you won't have to hand out tracts. Then you won't have to invite people. Then you won't have to evangelize. These things are wonderful. We ought to do them. I'm not saying not do them. You won't have to do them in the day his glory is seen. And folks, it's, just, it's not about get, twisting God's arm to do it. He's more willing and eager to do it than you and I could ever muster. It's receiving it and walking in it. Amen. So let's, and, and you know, this is all connected because believe you me, on that day they'll fear the Lord. Amen. And they'll fear the Lord because they'll see the glory. Praise the Lord.